Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert John Zyamek. John is an associate professor emeritus at Northwestern University. He has worked in several departments of the Chicago Sun-Times. With Caroline Hopkins, a survivor of the Tenerife disaster, he co-wrote the book Collision on Tenerife, the how and why of the world's worst aviation disaster. Let's hear what he has to say about the Tenerife airport disaster. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are welcome. It's good to be with you. So you co-wrote your book with a survivor of the Tenerife airport disaster. How did you get involved in the project? Yeah, I'd been a newspaper reporter in Chicago for a number of years, and I was looking for a larger project. And uh, somewhat coincidentally, I met uh, Warren and Caroline Hopkins, uh, who lived not too far away from me, uh, through a mutual acquaintance. And uh, Caroline, in particular, was looking for someone to help with uh, the project of putting together her and her husband's experiences uh, in this uh, terrible disaster into a book. So and I'm interested in aviation. I, I was raised in an Air Force family. 
my father was a pilot during World War II. So uh, there was a meshing of interests. Um, I like to write. <laughs> I understand aviation. And uh, they were looking for someone like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can, you, can you walk us through uh, the events that happened on March 27, 1977, uh, before the uh the flights got diverted from Gran Canario to uh Los Rodeos Airport in Tenerife before they got diverted well yeah both of the flights uh, the KLM plane was coming from Amsterdam the the uh, American plane the Pan Am plane was coming from uh, North America it started in Los Angeles and then stopped in New York uh picking up people along the way the Pan Am plane was taking people, <clears throat> excuse me, was taking people to a cruise ship waiting for them on Grand Canary Island. And um, the, uh, the KLM plane was simply taking a plane load of people to Grand Canary Island for vacations. Uh, so um, they, um, they both, neither plane had intended to wind up on Tenerife. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the Pan Am plane is one of, and I consider it probably the first of the horrible coincidences that eventually resulted in what happened. The Pan Am plane left New York late. Uh, it, it arrived in New York a little bit late and then left late. As a result, it was in back of the KLM plane when they both were circling over Grand Canary after the. Uh, after the uh, terrorist attack at um, on Grand Canary at the airport. And so it was in back of KLM when they both had to get sent over to Tenerife. And uh, they were stuck there. They, uh, they couldn't leave before KLM left. Pan Am could not because KLM was a 747 and it was blocking the entire taxiway. And Pan Am was a 747, so they were both too big, and they couldn't get around them. Would you like to talk about the the, the terrorist bomb? Or sure, yes. Uh, I, I I we're trying to understand just what happened, what caused the diversion. Yeah, that was just a ridiculous coincidence. Another one of the terrible coincidences that just that morning, Sunday morning, March 27th. Uh, the uh, there's a separatist group that uh, believed the members of which believed that the Canary Islands should be a separate nation away from Spain. Spain at the time and still controls uh, the Canary Islands. So they set off a bomb at the airport uh, just as simply uh, just to get some publicity and um, I'm not sure if they were meaning to kill anyone, but uh, they did injure a few people. And uh, a phone call was placed to the switchboard at the airport. And the person who was a representative of the separatist group said there are bombs, plural, at the airport. And... Uh, the switchboard operator called the airport manager. He said, I know one just went off. Uh, if the 
if the person calling from the separatist group had only used the singular word bomb, they might not have diverted all the flights over to another airport. Oh. Because it had already gone off, it would have just it would have swept up all the broken glass. But the airport managers were worried that there were more bombs that hadn't gone off yet. So to play it safe, the uh, the two seven forty sevens, the Pan Am plane, the KLM plane, and a bunch of other flights too, were sent over to Tenerife to wait until they could figure out what was going on at the airport. In fact, there was only one bomb. Not that that was so great, but uh, but um, uh, it took um, every bit of 90 minutes, I think, before uh, they finally figured that out. And then all the planes started coming back. Wow. So were they aware, were the KLM and Pan Am flights aware of the terrorist situation happening at the other airport? Or were they just left in the dark? No, they were both told exactly what had happened. And... Um, uh, I'm not sure, and uh, maybe we'll never know, uh, well, we won't ever know, if the KLM pilot told the passengers that everyone on that plane was killed uh, uh, after the collision. But uh, the Pan Am pilot decided to kind of fudge it a little bit. And he said, there's a plane stuck on the runway, uh, which wasn't really quite right. But then, but the word got around anyway, and I did explain to the uh, uh, in my book just exactly how a rumor, in this case, not a rumor, can fly through uh, through a, a, an airplane cabin. Uh, someone from the cockpit happened to mention it to the uh, the flight to one of the people with the the cruise company who was uh, checking up on things, and that that man came back to first class and immediately started telling everybody. So within minutes that the fact that there'd been a bomb was pretty much known throughout the entire, uh, throughout the entire cabin of the uh, Pan Am. But um, no, they were, they were told right away. Uh, But then they had to wait uh, for a couple hours at Tenerife, both planes and the other smaller planes had to wait. Um, so uh, until till, uh, the uh, Grand Canary Island people could uh, fix things up and determine that there was, in fact, no other bomb. But unfortunately, the weather started getting worse as they were waiting. And that was another factor in what happened. Uh, the fog started rolling in and it got worse and worse and worse, making it harder to see on the runway. Yes. And what kind of uh, what is the airport like in Los Rodeos and how does the the fog contribute to those conditions that day? Yeah, the the uh, the airport, which is not used very much anymore. uh, Los Rodeos, it's near a really big mountain uh, on Tenerife Island and uh, it catches wet wind from the ocean. And the wet winds turn into fog and they roll right down the side of the mountain. And then they turn into fog on the runway. And it kept getting worse and worse as uh, the hours went by until they were barely at the minimum acceptable uh, visual uh, capabilities at, at uh, the airport. And that was one more horrible irony about this. 
that um, you know earlier in the day it wasn't that bad and then even worse a few minutes after the collision which was uh, now getting close as we're explaining it the fog kind of blew away a little bit uh, but but the result of the fog being as strong as it was uh, at the time of the collision neither plane could even see each other and the the control tower could not see either plane uh, it was that thick uh, on the runway so that the fog was a major factor here and can you walk us through the the other uh, systematic uh, series of systematic failures that went wrong that all contributed to the accident that day yeah yeah, there were a number. I, I counted 11 altogether. Wow. I've already given you a couple. But um, there was confusion several times during the act of taxiing. The, uh, the Los Verdeos Airport on Tenerife has only one runway. And because it, the taxiway next to the runway was full of smaller planes, a number of which had been diverted because of the bomb, the, the way for both of the big jets, the 747s, to get into position to take off was by taxiing right down the runway. And then when they got to the end, they were supposed to turn around and then, uh, and then take off once the runway was clear. Well, there, there was farther along on the taxiway, things did open up, but um, the, both pilots, got confused about the instructions from the traffic controller in the cockpit or in the uh, in the control tower about where they should turn and uh, he kept both planes he told them leave the ta the runway at the third exit and third and first if you say them quickly they kind of sound similar Er, er, you know, first, third, and both of them thought he said first, which wouldn't have made any sense, because that would have taken them right back to where near where they uh, they'd been parked to begin with. He kept trying to say third. They kept misunderstanding him, and finally he gave up with the KLM plane, which was first, and he said, "Just go to the end uh, and turn around." So. So okay, so they did that, and they had turned. They turned around, and they were in position, ready to take off. Meanwhile, in back of them, here came Pan Am, doing exactly the same thing and getting just as confused about where they were supposed to turn off. But the last instruction he had said uh, to Pan Am was, "Leave at the third turnoff." Well, they never. They actually got a little past the third because they got mixed up about the numbers. They were headed for the fourth turnoff, which actually kind of made sense. The fourth turnoff was an easy angle for a really big jet uh, to get them onto the taxiway. And uh, they, so they were in between the third and fourth when the collision happened. But meanwhile, the uh, the KLM pilot decided to take off. And that that's that's the number one thing that really threw everything out of whack. He he did not have permission. The 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 important word in aviation is the word clearance. When when an airplane 
cockpit crew has been given permission to do something, that is the magic word. You are cleared for takeoff, for example. That means go, do it. And uh, you're supposed to wait for that word, and the KLM pilot did not. Um, he also did not hear, this is yet another one of the ironies, he simply didn't hear Pan Am saying we're still on the runway. And what was this, uh, what was the reason for that? Well, there was an electronic noise that that deleted part of the Pan Am cockpit crew's transmission. They were both on the same frequency, both planes, so they could hear everything that was being said to the control tower in, in each plane. And um, the, the, uh, the uh, air traffic controller, uh, he said, uh, let me know when you're, when you're cleared the runway. Uh, and uh, they said, yes. And, and then um, at some point, uh, he gave the flight instructions to KLM. That's not the same thing as takeoff instructions. A plane has to know, the cockpit crew has to know exactly what they're supposed to do after they take off, before they take off, so that they, they know, you know, fly to a certain radar beacon, for example, and then they, they turn a certain number of degrees to go to the next uh, point on the compass, uh, like that. Then, once that's clear, then they're told, okay, you can take off. So KLM had its flight instructions, but uh, they did not have takeoff clearance. At the moment that Pan Am was saying, after they heard the instructions being given, Pan Am said, uh, and we're still on the runway. And just then there was this static noise on the frequency being used by both planes, it's called a heterodyne. It's just basically a crackly static. And by horrible coincidence, it happened exactly when Pan Am was saying, we're still on the runway. Um, but um, the later listening to the uh, cockpit transcripts, um, it was determined that it was still barely audible what Pan Am was saying, but the KLM pilot was very distracted that day because he was worried about going into overtime, which is not permitted. Dutch rules are very strict about that. So he was distracted. He wanted to get off the ground. And um, he couldn't see anything on the runway because of the fog. Uh, so, uh, so he simply threw the throttles open and started to take off. And then the worst one of all for me, that was bad enough. And that was judged to be the main reason. Uh, or one of the main reasons for the crash. But the worst one is that the flight engineer sitting in back of the pilot, the KLM pilot said, leaned over and said, are you sure Pan Am is off the ground? And the, the KLM pilot was still distracted. He's in the middle of trying to get his plane up to takeoff speed. He turns and says, what? <laughs> Ouch, using up a few more seconds and the flight engineer repeated his question. Uh, said, are you sure Pan Am is clear? And, uh, and his answer was, oh yes, uh, which was completely wrong. 
And then uh, just a few seconds later, then through the fog, there was another 747 directly in front of them. And they hadn't quite reached takeoff speed yet, which that was another irony. They had, KLM had refueled at Tenerife because they wanted to do something productive with the time there. There was nothing wrong with that decision, but it made the plane many tons heavier. And that meant it took more runway for them to take off. It's just one after another, 11 altogether are these horrible coincidences and mistakes and any one of which might've stopped the whole thing. But then the, they, they collided and everyone on KLM died, uh, but there were 61 survivors on the Pan Am plane. There were actually more after the collision, uh, but some people, uh, were not able to get up and out uh, for several reasons. And I did spend a lot of time in my book talking about uh, the behavior that people can go through in moments of crisis like that. And, uh, you know, it's not really fight or flight. It's fight, flight, or freeze. And uh, a lot of people were simply frozen in place. And... Uh, as one of the survivors later said, he got up to get out and he looked around and saw plenty of people still alive. He said it, it was like looking at a deer in, in the headlights. Uh, people just, they didn't know what to do. Their brains weren't ready for this. And uh, the worst happened to those people. For those who survived, how, how were they able to escape? Yeah, they... There were uh, a couple of different ways of getting out. The people in first class were lucky because they had not been hit uh, that part of the plane in the same way that farther back in the plane was. And that's where Warren and Caroline Hopkins, the couple I was working with, that's where they'd been sitting. Warren Hopkins was probably the very first person to get out of the plane. And uh, he was a World War II combat veteran. And was not intimidated by something suddenly happening that he needed to respond quickly to. And he, within maybe five seconds, he said, let's go, got up and walked to where the door was, but it was no longer there because the metal had been ripped. He jumped down anyway. It was like a 20 foot jump uh, and uh, hurt his ankle very badly. And uh, his wife followed a couple people later. She couldn't get her seatbelt on. <laughs> wow. Um, so some people got out by responding very quickly. There were a couple of other World War II veterans uh, on the plane who knew what, what it was like to be in the moments of severe crisis, and they responded. And um, other people were not uh, so fortunate. But some people climbed out through the roof. A couple of people I interviewed later did that. Uh, and uh, some others, there was a hole in the middle of the uh, fuselage in the middle of, uh, of the economy section. And a lot of people got out that way, off the left side of the plane, the people who were able to respond quicker uh, in this moment were, were uh, able to save themselves. And it's to me, it's an argument for taking a minute no more than a minute or two at the beginning of every flight you get on, just look at the card and look at the nearest couple of exits. The flight attendants are not kidding when they say that because it creates a pathway in your brain 
that if you need it, it's there already and and uh, and it'll help. I mean, it's true. Aviation is very, very safe. It's, it's true. Um, but I think people who get nervous about flying will just feel better if they prepare themselves a little bit. I mean, there's uh, statistics that say that even with all the, the, uh, the good numbers about safety and flying, uh, about a third of us, about a third of Americans uh, are, have some nervousness about getting on an airplane. I think if they prepared themselves a little bit more, they'd feel better about it. And for that matter, I think it, you could extend that to other things too, like theater, mm. restaurant. Um, There's a famous example in 9-11, uh, from 9-11, the, uh, the Morgan Stanley brokerage. Uh, the, um, uh, the man who was head of security for that company after that first, and back in the early 90s, there'd been a truck bomb in the bottom of the World Trade Center. And he would regularly hold drills and evacuations for the employees. They didn't, uh, nobody liked it. They thought it was annoying. But what it did was when the, when the actual planes struck uh, on 9-11, almost every single one of the more than 1,000 Morgan Stanley employees got out. Wow. He, the, the security director, did not survive. He stayed behind to make sure that the last few people got out, and um, uh, which is kind of an amazingly sad aspect yeah. of that. But, uh, but he did, in fact, save more than 1,000 people. Wow. So, so it's not just aviation, although that's the most dramatic example. It's just uh, to pay attention to where you are. <laughs> know your exits. <laughs> know your exits. Really, it takes seconds. <laughs> so, John, uh, we ask all of our guest experts this question. At the end of the day, if you had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that is to blame for the Tenerife airport disaster. Who or what would that be? One thing, yeah, taking things for granted, I suppose, and not double checking your, your processes. Um, although that kind of goes back to what I was just suggesting about the importance of uh, paying attention to your surroundings and uh, taking things one step at a time. The, um, the KLM pilot, who was a good pilot, he let himself be distracted by, by extenuating circumstances. He was worried about the overtime. He uh, probably should have said something about the fog mm. to the, the, to the uh, control tower. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it, when you, when you did, don't take things for granted. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it it's a, it's very good advice. <laughs> um, thank you so much, John, for joining us today and helping us understand this terrible tragedy. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Alarmy. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. How about that, you know, very insightful conversation with John? I, I, I felt like I was writing down a bunch of stuff as he was talking uh, and giving us insight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just something about aviation and aviation disasters that is like endlessly fascinating to me. I think it's because like how John was saying at the end, we do, even though they're proven to be relatively safe, we are all just fearful for some reason of flying. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about sort of just like exploring how these happen that is, um, I don't know, it's just so fascinating. It is. I mean, could it possibly be um, the altitude? <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it just doesn't. There's something just feels wrong about yeah. being that high. Yeah. I also loved how and I will jump into this. Yes. Well, should I just jump in? Jump, jump right in. in. You, yeah, jump in. Well, uh, Amanda, you wrote this down and he explained fog so well. Mm. And especially we, we the sort of phenomenon of the fog that happened at this airport and at this at altitude, which he called uh, wet wind. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it was that the mountain catches wet wind from the ocean and it turns into fog, rolls down the mountain and, 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 and rolls into the, into the runway. You can so, visualize that. Uh, you know, that. in all of my research, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't come up with that, but I... <laughs> So he kind of made me look bad, which you know, give him a pass. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be too hard on yourself, Chris. We understand. You've only got duck duck go. <laughs> I try my best here, but ultimately, I get paid. I, I get paid very little, 
Um, I've had you to have cut an back. entire support team that you I've talk had to, about. I've had to make cuts on the team. I've had to let some people go. Some tough conversations. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. you get paid. You get paid per fact. You get paid a, pen, a penny on the fact. <laughs> He's really struggling. Yeah, that was that was my worst decision was allowing that in the contract. <laughs> now, I wrote down tardiness because when he was discussing um, the diversion of the of the flights, um, he said that Pan Am had been tardy to New York and therefore had been tardy getting to the Grand Canary uh, Islands. So. You know, had and and that was the reason why they were right behind the KLM. So when you think that that to me, when I think about that stuff, that really messes with my head. It's just that, you know, you just don't know. It's like you're either running a few minutes late, you know, or you're running early that day. And somehow that just affects where you are in time and you know in in the the face of a disaster it's right so scary it is and i think to john's sort of final point that he uh drove home what it really affects is your ability or inability to just stay in the present moment stay mindful and be conscious of what you're doing and how he put it was to pay attention um and you know Something that 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 to me like really hit home because and especially his description of reading the uh, safety protocols on the pamphlet at at the air uh, when you get on an airplane and he's like it takes a second but what it does is he and he uses the phrase creates a pathway in your mind. Okay, so and then the other thing that I thought was interesting that he said and he said this it was one of the first things he mentioned was coincidences. Ooh. And yeah. I liked that because we didn't really touch on this. It was a, I mean, we did talk about the series of events, but um, we didn't talk about this sort of uh, mystery factor of like, there were just a bunch of r- random things that happened. And sometimes these disasters are co- like just uh, coincidences. A series of coincidences. And so is there something to thinking about I mean, we don't often get into mysticism here on The Alarmist. We try and be pragmatic. Mm-hmm. But is there something to think about? You know, we, I think we have talked about fate in some uh, ep- in some episodes. But, you know, at what point, how many coincidences, babes, basically, how many coincidences does it take to screw in a light bulb of fate? Oh, apparently 11. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, <laughs> at what point do you be like, well, this is now just crazy that all these crazy coincidences happen? Yeah. If you think about it, 11 coincidences or 11 things going wrong that are like major, major things mm-hmm. is it's it's like very bad luck. The, this whole, you know, disaster feels like one of those Final Destination uh, movies. Mm. Yes. You know what I mean? It. it, it it's there's something about it where it feels like there's some kind of lack of control I mean don't get me wrong I think there's a lot of things that went wrong that were actual human mistakes well that was true that and and then he did bring up the fact that we do know that the pilots were made aware of the bomb Right. We didn't know if that. If right. And we known. were sort of talking yeah. about that. We weren't sure if they knew. But given that, now we can sort of add that to sort of how that was affecting the pilot's behavior. And, yeah. you know, his sort of inability to sort of 
focus on what he needed to do and the task at hand and, you know, on communication, you know, through the radio, but also with his uh, co-pilots and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, the the fact that he said also the this just popped up, you know, popped into my head. The the fact that the the terrorists said that there were plural bombs. Right. And yeah. really there was just one. And so, you know, had had they taken the s out of the word bomb, then none of the planes would have probably been diverted. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, at the end of the day, though, um, we did land on similar verdicts with John. So John said um, who he wanted to blame was taking things for granted and not double checking processes Uh and not paying attention to surroundings. But then he narrowed in on the KLM pilot who ultimately made the decisions that led to the crash. And so just to remind everyone, we did send a KLM pilot to jail and we slapped the terrorist bombing. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know after this conversation with John, Rebecca, if you're considering changing the verdict. I think that I I, I think we landed on the right um, uh, person or thing to send to jail for I, I feel that way. But I do think that the slap should have I mean yes the terrorists were were part of it but I I, I feel like the slap should have been the, these 11 coincidences or okay oh you want to slap all 11 coincidences yes I yeah, do I like that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um because at a certain point it's like none of uh, had one stopped the other like if if the the if what he said like the pilot had stopped said you know what the fog's just a little too bad let's wait five minutes then none of this would have happened because as he as as john uh you know explained just a few minutes later the fog started to lift crazy it's so crazy so i I just feel like these 11 things that went wrong should get slapped but ultimately i do feel like the pilot should have gone to the alarmist jail. What do you, what do you all think? That sounds good to me. Yeah. I like that. And so did you just quickly tally up the coincidences or is 11 a number you've had in your head all along? Oh, John said it. He said he counted 11. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want everyone listening out there to take a quick moment and see if you can tally up what those 11 are in your head. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask me about all 11. I'm I'm trusting John knows. Hop, hop and hop on Amazon by John's book. And that way you'll probably find out if you're right about. Oh, yeah, that's that's the only way to find out. Um, So I'm just going to call it 11 failures. You're getting the big slap. So that was great. I I, I love talking to John. Um, This is this is one of those disasters that really lingers in your head because it, you know, it feels very close to home in that this could happen to anyone at any time, you know, we're we're in a modern society. We're on planes all the time. You know, what, what John was saying, like, know your exits. I will never take that for granted, <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, those are all, in a way, it's like there's a lot of tangible things we can do if, if we do happen to survive a terrible uh, disaster like this. Um, like he said, you know, don't, don't freeze, give yourself a minute and then, and then move. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of it feels like luck. So, you know. 
And also, not to bring it back, but he said that line, create a pathway in your mind, and that's what the actor does before every scene. He thinks about the scene, what he's going to do. So I think a little bit of rehearsal and a little bit of acting acting workshop and work can go a long way. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. The rehearsal process is actually, he was discussing the rehearsal process for in that story about the 9-11 uh, head of yes. security. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's that's a rehearsal, guys. That's a rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have a few little announcements before we wrap up today. And one is we got a great review. And I just want I need to read this to you all because oh, it is this is exciting. It is, yeah, it's a really, really good review. Let me just pull it up here on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, you too can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll probably read it on one of these Aftermath episodes. These reviews are one, great. Yeah. Yeah. They're so fun. Um, okay. Let's see. Yes. Okay. So this comes in from Art Like Bread, five stars, titled We Needed This. <laughs> History is full of tragedies, but does it have to be? What if the people, places, concepts, institutions that are to blame for these events were locked away? We'd surely end up with two things, a crowded prison and a safer future. (laughs) Plus, with consequences like these, big offenders like the fashion industry just may shape up and stop instigating. This is a fun and educational podcast. Laugh and learn about both obscure, the eggnog riots, and topical, the ships stuck in the Suez Canal events. Most importantly, find out who is to blame. The host, Rebecca, rules wisely and isn't too proud to change a verdict if new evidence comes to light this is a must listen <laughs> i mean wow that sounds like something we should uh basically take and put it on the cover of our website or something. <laughs> i know that's what i was thinking it's like that is so describes the show so well i don't think we've ever been able to nail it like that so thank, <laughs> thank you for that review thank you art like bread <laughs> that was incredible um, yes. And then secondly, I just want to shout out ACAST's supporter again. I know we did it last episode, but um, this is you hear Rebecca talk about it getting to the one millionth episode at the top of every one of our shows. You can just follow the link in our show notes to give us a one time donation to ACAST supporter. And that money goes back in to support the show. Uh, we bought Clayton, like I think I mentioned last week, we got him a new mic stand. So he didn't have to crane his neck when he appears on the show. Um, and we just recently had some equipment failures. That's right. Uh, and so we're, we had to invest in some new equipment. So that's what we use that money for. So if you want to send us $5, want to send us $500, we will gladly accept. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, you just never know when Mercury is going to be in retrograde or when the full moon is going to affect all of your equipment mm. and have it all uh, break at once. You just don't know. And you have to be prepared. Yep. <laughs> so that really helps us, you know, be able to continue to make our uh, episodes and get to our uh, one millionth goal mm-hmm. eventually. Um, yes. And then lastly, I have a little bit of an announcement. Uh, that yes. I want to share with the alarmy, which is that I'm I'm going on a maternity leave. What? Oh my god! <laughs> I know. I'm just telling Chris and Rebecca this too because I wanted to get their reactions live on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tra- the thing about uh, how we record the alarmist is that we do it all via Zoom, so I never see above. Uh, Amanda's neck mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. above her <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I only see above her shoulders. I never see below the shoulder. <laughs> That's right. 
I know I've been I've been hiding this pregnancy from everyone. Well, congratulations, Amanda. <laughs> We're so happy for you. Best of luck on your maternity leave. And um, yes, they we're we're so excited for you. Um, and just for I the gotta record, get one of those alarmy know. onesies. <laughs> yes. Do you know who the father is, or <laughs> no? No, I'm still figuring it out. It is one of our guest experts, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good clue. <laughs> so I'll let you guys sort of that narrow limits, in. Yeah, that really does narrow it down. Yeah, it down. <laughs> um, yay! And we're gonna miss you so much. But we will also be uh, in the in the uh, faith faithful in the faithful hands of Alarmy General Clayton Early. Yeah. He will be helping us for the time being. That's right. So he's going to be filling in for me. I will be still overseeing, you know, Mm -hmm. keeping uh, the baby comes, let's see, end of September. So, you know, I'm still going to be floating around um, omnipresent in all of these recordings. (laughs) But yeah, Clayton's taking over. And yeah, we he is. uh, You guys are in good hands. So I I will miss everyone, though, because I love doing this so much. We'll be on our best behavior and we'll make sure that um, it's it's a it's a clean house um, when you b- get back. when you get back. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do our best in your leave, Amanda, and uh, we will definitely miss you. And um, you know what? We'll the only thing we'll just make sure Clayton lets us do our thing like you do. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does. I pray he does, and I also pray you respect his little time checks. <laughs> <laughs> we will in your we honor. will we promise that is our promise to you <laughs> okay thank you um well thank you so much for joining us alarmy amanda we're gonna miss you we love you um and you know tune in next week because we are gonna be discussing the 1958 bradford sweets poisoning it's gonna be interesting Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.